This is an Alexandrian Media original podcast. Hello, friends. At the end of last week's episode, I mentioned that this week was supposed to be about Bizet and his upper carmen. Due to some scheduling and because I will be on vacation next week, I made some changes. Today's episode features composer Kevin Graham, and thank you to Kevin for being so understanding and willing to move his episode up a week. This also means that next week, September 15th, there will be no official episode. The Composer Chronicles will return on September 22nd with an interview with Richard Fay. Kevin Graham is a composer and filmmaker based out of the Pacific Northwest, who specializes in cinematic, ambient, and orchestral music for film, television, games, and video. He has recently become the director of music at the premium stock footage and music company FilmPack. Kevin's music has been licensed and well-received by thousands of content creators and brands worldwide, and I am thrilled to have him as today's guest. In this episode, you will hear clips from Kevin's album, Dying of the Light, as well as the track Immortality from his album, Enigma Machine. Both of these albums were exclusively released for FilmPack. During the interview, you'll be able to hear the entirety of Fireforge directly after the break, and followed by a clip of Golden Age. The entirety of Immortality from Enigma Machine is also played during the interview. At the end of the interview, you'll be able to hear the following tracks from Dying of the Light. Unbreakable, Fortress, For the Stars, and the title track, Dying of the Light. This is The Composer Chronicles, a storytelling podcast about music through the ages. I'm Stephen Trigar, and this is episode number 67, Kevin Graham. Kevin, how are you doing today? Doing good. How are you? I'm doing very well, thanks. It's uh, it's been a long day, and I'm glad to uh, finally get the chance to sit down and chat with you. Yeah, looking forward to it. So why don't we get started with you telling us your story? How did you become the composer you are today? Sure. Um, well, at, probably similar to a lot of people you have on here <laughs> in this in this business. It, it was a very uh, roundabout journey to becoming a full-time composer um yeah. you know i grew up like when i was like younger you know I, I grew up listening to like a bunch of like heavy music like heavy metal stuff like that that was kind of my like foray into like really enjoying music um right. was the heavy stuff and you know started playing in a band like i was like 
I started playing guitar when I was pretty young. You know, I had taken piano lessons, but I didn't really wasn't into that. I think I was just too young. Um, but you know, started taking started playing in a, in a metal band, playing guitar, um, and and really started loving the guitar. Um, started taking lessons, and that's what kind of branched me out into a lot of other types of music. Um, was through my guitar teacher. You know, playing a lot more mm-hmm. like blues and stuff like that. Um, that's how I learned music theory was on a fretboard, which is kind of backwards from a lot of people like just basically learning the, the modes and stuff right. on the fretboard and then going, you know, reverse engineering. Okay. Well, this is what this means on a piano and all that stuff. Um, so, you know, really, really wanted to always, when I was younger, I wanted to be like a session guitarist. Like I wanted to move um, down to Hollywood and, you know, go to musicians Institute and just be a session player. Um, and then kind of like I had graduated high school, um, wanted to still, you know, be doing music. So I, there's a program up here, just the audio technology program at the community college in Spokane, um, that I did, which was awesome. I mean, I, it taught me, I didn't know pro tools existed until, um, I did that, you know, it taught me sort of pro tools and MIDI and just the fact that there's virtual instruments and sample libraries and a bunch of stuff. I just, you know, didn't know about at all. Um, and kind of like when I was at the tail end of that program, I think I had learned enough about the music industry to maybe learn that it wasn't for me. Uh, I I, like, you know, I, I, I I was like, man, maybe, maybe I don't want that crazy of a lifestyle, like a little more stability um, than just moving to LA and trying to do session work for a living. Um, yeah, but it was, you know, about that time, through that uh program that audio tech program um that i got an internship at a film production house to do like some post-production audio stuff Mm. um so you know it's in my city there's not you know there's maybe a couple recording studios and there 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 aren't many like big studio it's not like nashville or new york or la where there's a million different studios you can go in with all these big consoles and stuff and learn on. Um, right. So I kind of, that, that basically spurred, uh, a career in filmmaking for me. Um, like my day job up until the last couple of years was production. Um, like I, mm-hmm. I, I ended up working full time for that company that I had interned for, um, you know, just by being around people and editing and filmmaking and seeing some sort of similarities between, the visual process and music. Um, I, I got really into that still am into that. Um, and then ended right. up being a partner at a ad agency kind of running the production end of things for gosh, I think six years after that. Um, and this whole time I'm like, I still knew that I loved music the most. It was just hard to right. like make a living doing it. Right. So, you know, I, I'd been composing for libraries and stuff on the side as just like a side hustle, um, you know, started out as basically just a hobby, you know, wasn't really getting much from it, but I was fortunate enough to like kind of just find a couple real good libraries that seemed to have a customer base that was really into like the sort of, you know, cinematic music that I like to make. Um, and right. just kept at the stuff on the side, you know, with music, right. Kind of slowly got more successful at that. Um, and 
the where I am now, which is the music director at Film Pack, which is a stock media company. Um, you know, they they found me because they had just like used my stuff and some promos that they found on a, <laughs> a different library. Um, so I'd at the time they were only a footage site. They didn't offer music at all. Um, okay. And they kind of got in touch with me and we sort of started, you know, kept the dialogue going of, you know, get launching a music portion of film pack, you know, all these other companies seem to be kind of doing the same thing, whether it's right. music companies offering stock footage or vice versa. Um, so then I kind of, I jumped on board with them last year and I've been basically just full time with them now. Um, creating in-house content, curating content, managing contributors, you know, managing marketing materials, things like that. So it's been kind of a, a roundabout way to, to being a, a full-time composer, which, which now I am, but it, it's, it's, it's definitely wonderful. been fun. I've been very, very lucky to have, you know, some really good opportunities that I was able to really just, you know, go all out on. So yeah, yeah, yeah that's the, that's the general summary of where I am in terms of my job. I mean, we get into sort of what, has influenced me at, you know, musically and all that kind of stuff too. But that's, that's the basics. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. sounds like, uh, despite what has happened in the past year, you really made the most of it and you got something out of it. Uh, I know a lot of people don't have that, that luxury. So congratulations to you on, uh, on, on getting that job. It was, that sounds incredible. Yeah. Appreciate that. Of course. I actually didn't know anything about Film Pack until I actually started listening to your music. And I know you recently released something, uh, re released an album of your music uh, with Film Pack, um, which uh, is the album Dying of the Light. Is, is that correct? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I've, 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 since that one, I've also, there's two other ones that have gone up to streaming as well. One of which just last week, but yeah, that's, that, okay. that was kind of the first album that i released through film pack awesome yeah i uh i actually discovered that album uh first or maybe it had been valkyrie that had been first um but uh i i have been listening to your music for for just a few months now and i've absolutely loved every <laughs> every oh, minute of it appreciate uh, it yeah <laughs> i i i getting track after track of, of cinematic sounds is just, I'm like, Oh, this is, this is incredible. <laughs> Appreciate um, it. Yeah. I mean, I, there, there's, there's plenty of people where it's not their, not their vibe, but definitely yeah, found that yeah. it, it has, it has a use in, you know, digital communication and filmmaking yeah. and videos and content, you know? Yeah. How do you feel like working uh, in the film industry then helped you getting into writing cinematic music? I, I think it shaped, I, I think it was like key. Like, I don't think that I would be qualified or have grown the way that I would have needed to, to have a job like this if I hadn't spent so much time, like, you know, on the other side of the fence, so to speak, as a right. filmmaker, you know, somebody who was used to going through production music libraries and trying to find music for projects that I'm cutting, things like that. Because, it you know, right. it, it, as a composer, being able to like understand it, think like a filmmaker everything from like the pacing of things to you know what's too intrusive and what's not to the different even just the different functions that music has and edits like sometimes music has to be has to 
be the thing that drives an edit through like there's no VO or anything. Other times it needs to be, you know, in the background, unobstructive. Um, but I think mainly it just helped me sort of like separate, like I still consider what I do, um, you know, to be like an art form, but it, it, it helped me realize that like at the end of the day, if you're making music and you want it to be used in videos, like if you're trying to make film music, um, like, like you can't just only think about the music. Like you can't just be like, I need to make this the purest expression of art and make it super, you know, unique. And, and because sometimes that's not right. useful for people. Um, like, it's not to say that you have to go super cheesy with everything, but they're just, there's certain, you know, conventions that people are just used to seeing and editing to in production music that it is if you're knowledgeable about them and you just keep them in mind when you're, you know, building your compositions, um, it, it makes a huge difference. Right. Do you primarily write music that goes up onto libraries or do you also do works that uh, you're, you, you work with a director on creating music for a specific film? Yeah, that, that's a great question. So I would say most of my work has been for libraries. Um, I think that's just because number one, it was an, it, it, it was an easier avenue for me just because a lot of, I found a lot of film work requires some pretty deep like relationships and connections with production companies or directors or cinematographers or whatever. And, you know, I, when I started, I was brand new. I didn't know anybody. Um, but a lot of these libraries were kind of brand new too. So it was, you know, I was able to sort of pitch some music to them and, and sort of get on their radar and just get on the platform. But it's been mostly, mostly library stuff. I've, I've done uh, a feature. I've done a couple short films. I've done, you know, a million ads in terms of just custom music. Um, but I would say, you know, 70, 30 library stuff. I do, I do like library music better because, uh, um, you know, not that there's anything wrong with working with a director and, you know, making their vision come to life. But when you're making library music, you're right. basically you're making it exactly how you want. And then you're putting it out there. You're not right. being hit with rounds and rounds of revisions and changes and stuff, which, again, it, it's cool yeah. because, you know, that that feature that I worked on, for example, I wrote music that I never would have wrote in my life just because of the imagery right. and the, you know, the collaboration with the director and, and, and it helped me grow as a composer. Um, but at the, at the end of the day, I, I, I prefer the library stuff. Yeah. I was going to ask, how do you feel that it compares, uh, to uh, library writing as it compared to, uh, being commissioned for a film and being writing custom music, do you? And I think you pretty much already answered it. Do you feel that it's more freeing to write music for the library music uh, for just libraries in general? Generally, yes. Um, there's always exceptions. You know, there's some libraries that you where you where you like. I, I've I've been on staff with a library before where you you're basically just doing work for hire stuff for them, and they're giving you mm -hmm. music you know, they're giving you like examples and direction. Um, so at that point, mm -hmm. it's not unlike writing for picture because they're kind of like dictating what you're writing and giving to them. Um, but, you know, there's 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 most of the libraries that I've written for. You basically just write stuff and you send it to them. And if they like it, um, you know, they'll represent it on the platform. And if not, then they won't.
So I personally think yeah. it's more freeing to do library work. And I, I know there's people that think the opposite too, because, you know, the, the, there's an argument to be made, like it's easier to find inspiration when you're given like a set of parameters to work within or specific, yeah. you know, imagery. Um, and that stuff is super inspiring too. But uh, personally, I'm, I'm, I'm a library guy for sure. <laughs> do you primarily stick with cinematic or do you write within other genres as well? Um, I write within other genres. Some of them over the, you know, over the years has just been out of necessity. Like somebody, will be, you know, I'll be working on mm -hmm. a job or whatever. And I'm like, can you write this? And I'm like, sure. And then I got to go figure out, you know, I got to go study <laughs> that type of music and, and have to write it. Um, the cinematic stuff, I think is just what I've always gravitated towards even, even just like before I even knew anything about music. I mean, like I remember like my first like CD that I ever had with my like boom box in my room when I was little, you know, in like the nineties was like the James Bond right. movie soundtrack, like probably a little <laughs> different than like a lot of people's like first CD. Like I just, I've always just liked the ways that, you know, film music in particular can just like make you feel um, and how it interacts with, you know, the pictures on the screen and stuff. So, you know, kind of by default, I gravitated towards the cinematic stuff. And obviously cinematic's a big umbrella, like whether or not that's, you know, a, you know, an orchestral score from a guy like John Williams or, you know, Howard Shore or the, you know, some of the more hybrid stuff that you're seeing modern or, right. or obviously cinematic gets into like a lot of the sort of like ambient and minimalistic and just, yeah, I, I, I guess I would say I gravitate towards things that fall under the broad cinematic umbrella the most. But I mean, I've done everything from jazz to EDM to rock to, you know, pop, whatever for projects. Right. And you need that in order to be able to bring it then back into things like cinematic sounds, because music like that is is so, so expansive that you 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 take one specific sound and then you incorporate it in somehow and then it, it expands that world a little bit more. So in order to be able to know your music more, you need to expand, expand your, your knowledge of it. Oh yeah, I, I, absolutely. Um, you know, like I said, growing up playing in like metal bands and stuff, one, one of the things that I was exposed to a lot when I was uh, doing that audio tech program was, you know, there was there, there was a pretty heavy like music element to the program too. It wasn't just the nuts and bolts of the technology. Right. Um, and I was exposed to jazz, which I had never paid much attention to before jazz and also to a, a little bit lesser of an extent, classical music. Um, right. just because I did a lot of volunteer work at the theater here where the symphony plays and mm. being exposed to that. And it's like, yeah, there was, there's all sorts of things that I took from those types of music, even just into like my writing for like, you know, metal and stuff, especially classical. You look at, you know, some of like some more like neoclassical type styles of composition and that stuff goes hand in hand. If you throw in a distorted guitar on it and write right. it twice <laughs> as fast, you know, right. like all those chord progressions and stuff. And same with jazz, you know, especially a lot of these sort of like progressive metal type things. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I personally love the uh, sort of like the concept of taking borrowing things from certain genres of music and plugging them into somewhere else and just seeing if they can they can fit whether it's a 
instrument or chord progression or you know just even just the vibe whatever right absolutely do you have any particular composers that you are inspired by or or wish to uh wish to emulate um yeah maybe i'll answer in two parts because i just I, I think like film composers are in such a different category than right um like a lot of just specific like media composers um like you know the obvious answer that everyone's going to say is Hans Zimmer um just because i think <laughs> he was like he was one of the first ones at least mainstream to make like just to like not be ashamed and afraid to be like yeah i made this whole thing on a computer like he like like you know i oh, I'd never heard i'd never heard another sort of like big blockbuster composers just be so open about like yeah the the computer is my instrument you know samples um are my instruments uh, obviously you get farther back into like there's other composers that were doing that for sure but i think he really sort of like embraced it um as part of his just like persona and his style um i'm a huge fan of thomas newman just the way that he approaches looking like developing the ideas and themes that go into like the storyline of a film um you know, I, I, I'm not going to be, uh, most of my composers that I like in film are just, are pretty well known. Like it's the Newton Howards and the Danny Elfman's <laughs> of the world, you right. know, um, <laughs> but you know, they're, they're, they're famous for a reason. Um, and then, they you know, are, it, yeah. <laughs> in, in the ad world, there's, there's so many, I mean, I, e even a lot of our composers that we have at film pack that are contributors, um, I'm always inspired by, you know, there's, like some of the bigger names that you see in the ad world, like, you know, the Tony Anderson's of the world, those guys, just because of, they were kind of some of the first ones to make like cinematic music, like mainstream almost and mm -hmm. like cool and like sought after. And, you know, so I, I think just the, I'm trying to think of other like ones that stick out to me in like the ad world. Like I said, there's, there's so many of them. Um, there but, are. Yeah. I'm starting to understand uh, sometimes writing for ads can be much more finicky than writing for, for film. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And, and there's a number of factors I think that can go into that. Um, like, you know, if, if you're writing for a film, you know, you'll, you'll go do a spotting session or whatever with the director first. And then like, you know, you're talking, there's three hours of, music and there's just so much space right. in between those cues and things like that like i just I, I i think even just up until you get into like the really really huge productions you know it's just human nature to sort of not be as picky about things if there's right. just that amount of content that's happening um but like with ads i mean you're it's 15 or 30 seconds or 60 seconds um and like, you know, right. with, with a film, you're basically, it's the director. Most times it's just the director. Sometimes mm -hmm. there's music supervisors and stuff that are kind of the intermediary there, but it's the director with ads, like everybody and their aunt has to sign off on your music with the thing. I mean, it's like, it, it could, yeah. like the creative director, the art director, the, the client themselves, the client's dad, who just happens to be in the meeting watching the thing. Oh, I don't like the trumpet, you know, right. like the I, yeah. less, less trumpets. <laughs> I don't like, you know, like there's so many more cooks in the kitchen with ads 
in, yeah. in my personal experience that that can a lot yeah. of times be you know a kind of kind of hold up the process schedule wise um and yeah i guess ads also just really i feel like there's more room for exploring in films than there is with ads i mean depending on what you're doing there's just there's things are pretty formulaic when it comes to scoring an ad or you know especially even like a trailer just in terms of like how people like things to build and you know what the instruments should be in the style based on what the content is so wonderful yeah i uh it's so interesting to think that though because you you think oh it's only 15 seconds 30 seconds but it, it does and the more i think about it the more i realize oh yeah you if you only have 15 seconds it, it's so focused uh and you can you can zone in and out of a, of a film uh, with <laughs> however long it is but you're watching an ad you've only got 15 seconds to 30 seconds however long you've got to uh to get your point across so yeah yeah i it's so interesting to think about yeah and even just uh, even just the concept of writing the music and developing the ideas and getting them across in a timely fashion i right. mean like you know we've been talking for like 20 minutes like would it be easier to do this podcast in an hour and a half or would it be easier to do it in 30 seconds you know, like it, yeah, well, it's ju just like developing a musical like identity and idea and theme and having it like start, sustain and then resolve within 30 seconds. For me, I find that to be much more difficult than if I have a whole movie uh, to sort of like right. build that sonic landscape, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I, I when you bring that up and it's it's funny because I have often thought about like, how long should I make each episode? How long are people listening? Uh, but how do I keep all of the the content that i want to get across how do i let people tell their own story in in a minute in even 20 minutes because there are certainly questions that i still want to ask you <laughs> and we've already gotten 20 minutes in uh so yeah it's uh <laughs> it's a it's i i i wish that i could figure it out and i'm sure i will eventually but <laughs> down the road yeah. Yeah. People's attention spans are short, but you know, again, like, especially with podcasts and things, you don't see too many 30 second long podcasts. I think things like things like this, if, if people find them, it's because they've actively sought them out and they're, they're willing to, to, yeah. to watch and listen. But yeah, people's, people's attention, people's attention spans are just getting shorter <laughs> by the day. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they certainly are. music be like? I certainly don't want to know. This podcast would not exist. Luckily, we don't have to find out what that world is like. I do a lot of listening in a day between all of my favorite music and podcasts, and it's not just for entertainment. I'm constantly doing research for this podcast, and switching back and forth between apps to listen to a podcast episode and then a piece of music 
can get tiresome if I'm trying to quickly switch back and forth. From an episode of Hey Riddle Riddle, to Stravinsky's The Firebird Ballet Suite, and then to Lady Gaga's latest album, I can listen to them all on Amazon Music whenever and wherever I want. I start listening when I get into my car, and then when I get home, I switch over to my Alexa while I cook dinner for me and my fiancé. Listeners of this podcast can join me in listening to all of the best music and greatest podcasts on Amazon Music Unlimited right now when you sign up today at getamazonmusic.com slash thecomposerchronicles and get your first 30 days for free. You can get unlimited access to any song and do all of that listening without any ads. So again, go to getamazonmusic.com slash The Composer Chronicles and start listening on Amazon Music Unlimited today. Hi, my name is Kaylin and I'm the host of a new podcast called Tea Time Thoughts. Do you ever wish you could learn more about history, books, music, art, and culture, but you just don't know where to start? I totally feel your pain. Learning about all these things can be so overwhelming. Well, I want to change all of that for you. In my podcast, Tea Time Thoughts, I'll show you just how fun it all can be. In the time it takes to have a cup of tea, I'm going to teach you everything from the French Revolution to the Black Plague, Mozart to Broadway musicals, Da Vinci to Robert Frost, Ancient Egypt to Queen Elizabeth II, and more. You can stream Tea Time Thoughts wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. So what are you waiting for? Put the kettle on and listen to Tea Time Thoughts today. This year, you recently released Dying of the Light, which I mentioned a little bit earlier. Can you tell us a little bit more about that album and its creation? Sure. Um, so that that album in particular was essentially created with the... It, it, was, it was created for Film Pack. It was created mm -hmm. with the idea of, hey, we're... At, at the time that I started writing that, we hadn't even launched the platform yet. Um, but it's like it was created with the idea of we want these songs to be on here at launch. We want them to be super just potent and usable and memorable for people. Um, 
and kind of a lot of what I intended to do with that album was just like get a little bit more subtle in my writing of like orchestral sort of big epic cues. And I, I know epic and subtle kind of contradict one another, but you know, I, I kind of noticed a lot of kind of a trend in a lot of sort of more like riveting branded content, um, really like compelling inspirational things where like a lot of the music they were using was just like, it just sits perfectly in this place between being too over the top in terms of like huge epic everything and super loud drums and you know like everything is just staccato and harsh and loud and also being like sort of moving and sweeping and beautiful so in terms of just the general framework of that album that's kind of was my goal um there like that's kind of like the 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 uh like the colors that I let myself have on my, you know, my paintbrush. Um, and then, yeah, in terms of writing, I, I had a few ideas laying around at the beginning of that, that I incorporated, but a lot of it was just actually letting a lot of, you know, just experimenting with different sounds, letting those sort of evolve into melodic ideas and themes that I could then, you know, build the rest of the arrangement around, which is a little bit different of how I'm used to working. I'm used to just, plunking away a, something on a piano and then being like, yep, that's it. And then going and figuring it out how to arrange around that. Um, so this time I kind of did the opposite, just messed around with some sounds until I heard some things in my mind, whether or not it's just some evolving pads that I built using samples or, uh, you know, string libraries, whatever. Right. It's great that you bring that up because I'm was eventually going to ask uh, your process. Do you normally start off on on the piano, guitar, and then transfer over to the uh, computer? Yeah. So uh, historically, you know, I, I used to always work based on of just simple ideas, and then I would expand upon those. Um, so, like, I would like come up with something on the guitar, or hear some play something on the piano, and then sort of in my mind be thinking like, okay, how can this translate? Like maybe it just needs to be a solo piano piece and that's fine. But a lot of times it's not. So then it's like, okay, I have this melody. Like what is this melody in context of the arrangement? Is this, you know, a big brass line? Is this like a piano line that's then sort of augmented by other stuff going on around it? Um, but I've really been like making a point to try to do a lot of my composing the other way now in terms of just like finding sounds because I, I think the, you know, building everything from ideas in, in like a perfect world, like in a vacuum, that's the way to go. But like, I've also, I feel like just growing as a composer, like you recognize the weaknesses and strengths of certain, um, whether it's just certain sounds that you're using, whether it's sample libraries or acoustic instruments or whatever, like there's just certain things whether it's, you know, a specific range of the instrument, whether it's a specific speed of playing, there's certain things that just work better than others. Um, you know, like, for example, right. if I've got a, a solo violin sample library that I'm using, you know, there's, there's some where it's like, yeah, I think they sound great and realistic just within this little range, you know, between, you know, C2. Right. and you know. So like, it's like, Okay, so I'm I'm pl I'm plugging away on on my keyboard, my MIDI keyboard with these sounds, and I, a lot of times something that I might have come up with on the piano would be outside of that instrument's range of you know to me sounding good, 
But if right. I'm using those sounds in the first place, um, you know, just some cool stuff can come out of there. Maybe stuff that I wouldn't have originally written, um, which is that's like the the absolute opposite of, you know, how because you probably when you do like your history and stuff, you get into a lot of like historical, you know, classical composers and things like that, which is, you know, they're writing everything yeah. out in a piece of paper before they ever even hear any sounds. So this is like the complete right. opposite. But yeah, I would say right. my general process uh, still still revolves around starting with simple ideas and expanding on them. But I'm, I'm trying to to be able to branch off from that as well. Do you feel like uh, playing on a particular instrument influences what eventually comes out into your music. I know that I mean, you, you said you start on the piano at times, uh, and there are certain instances in, in your music, especially within um, like Dying of the Light, uh, that piano is a huge part of, of the, the sounds that you create. Do you feel like sitting on the piano then inspires you to write a lot for the piano in that case yeah absolutely um i would say the piano is probably more present in my music you know if you look at all the cues i've ever written piano is probably more present than any other instrument um and i don't i don't exactly know why that is i think maybe it's just it's an instrument that i'm very comfortable with i'm i'm not yeah. a classically trained pianist at all um i know the super super basics in terms of technique and things and i know theory because of you know my time really studying the guitar um but I'm, i would never call myself a piano player but just for some reason it's an instrument that i'm very comfortable with and i i understand just how to make different harmonies and melodies and things work together and if i can get them working together on the piano then i know i can probably get them working together in an arrangement as well. there's there's a lot of times right i'll have in my mind like okay i want this to be you know just a string quartet but like i don't know if it's just you know the the bias of having come up with the idea on the piano it's like it just it doesn't seem to sound right without having piano yeah. in there maybe it's just because of that's what uh you know that's what i where, where i first sort of brought the melody to life um so yeah it's just it's an instrument that i'm comfortable and familiar with and probably just that's kind of reflected in how I build my arrangements sometimes. Yeah. And not to mention the piano is probably one of the most versatile instruments out there. And 
it, it for some reason it usually always fits in some way uh even it, you can have different types of pianos but somehow a piano seems to always fit wherever it is <laughs> i yeah. don't know if you've been the same way but every time i hear a piano i i never feel oh that's out of place um maybe maybe once or twice in my life i felt that way but i never really ever feel like the piano doesn't belong here yeah i agree i i i i think it's the most versatile instrument um just for exactly what you said i mean obviously styles of music that you would think of when you think of piano like classical music jazz um mm -hmm. you know pop but like right. i mean it's 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 everywhere you'll hear obviously you you hear it in rock you hear it in you know dubstep you hear it uh in trailer music you hear it in ethnic music it's it's right it's 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 got to be the most versatile instrument out there right yeah i i i think piano is one of the, the best instruments i unfortunately i'm not a great pianist myself either um i was able to get by <laughs> on it for my degrees and i will leave it there for um, sure but, but even uh, I, even then that's yeah <laughs> <laughs> even that's probably yeah. more training than i've had on the thing it's just but it is it is fun to experiment with for sure you also recently was it in the past week or so that you also released an album uh, which by this week i mean now we're recording uh, at the beginning of august uh enigma machine is that correct yeah that one actually technically i re released for streaming around a month or so ago um and i just released another album this last last week called primordial and most of these songs were actually written several months back for for the launch of film pack um but i just we've just now gotten around to sort of like they only existed on the platform they weren't anywhere else and mm -hmm. we've just now kind of gotten around to categorizing them into albums right. and putting them for streaming and things like that um so yeah like we're dying of the light was more just maybe like more of a straightforward more universally usable like cinematic vibe um enigma machine is maybe a little bit more like science fictiony like maybe is just a little bit more outside of the box with just some of sort of the tonalities that i used mm -hmm. um the instrumentation really i never really got too crazy with that but just just some <laughs> some of the um like harmonies and things that i used i would say lend themselves to maybe a little bit more of a niche use but but something that i think right. is super valuable to have um and i and i i enjoy making that type of music yeah i i definitely felt that uh it was definitely much more experimental uh than some of the other things that i have heard in in your past repertoire yeah yeah and and, and, a, and a lot of that is just me trying to you know stay um unique like i'm trying not to copy myself over and over again
I really enjoyed that album as well. I think I listened to it on my way to and from work yesterday. Oh, I, I appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> of course. Uh, what have been some of your favorite projects to work on? My favorite projects to work on? Um, probably Dying of the Light. That's that. That's one of my favorite, like, or that that is my favorite sort of what you would call a work for hire project where I'm basically just mm -hmm. exclusively writing it for a library, like, which is, you know, obviously right. the company that I work for now. And I, I'm, I had the, the music platform in. So, but that of like the very specific exclusive for library projects, dying of the light was my favorite, just because I was able to get a lot of great feedback from, you know, the other people at film pack being such good storytellers and filmmakers themselves um, just getting their insights, you know, and, and pushing me to do some things that I wouldn't have otherwise done for library music, uh, I think was super beneficial. And I actually really enjoyed that process. Um, I would say my favorite other project was probably one of the, yeah, one of my last, um, I'll say two and, and they, they tie together is I I've done a couple personal projects over the last couple of years. Um, one of them is just called Montana. Um, and one is called wild. Mm -hmm. And both of those are sort of just like a return to what originally got me like inspired to write cinematic music, which is just being in the wild. Like I, you know, grew up outside. I like to go backpacking and mountaineering and hunting and stuff. And I'm always just, just being in these like wild, vast, untamed landscapes just has a certain, thing about it that can sort of put ideas in my mind that nothing else can. Um, right. And especially like the Montana album, because I had, I had sort of, who was, I'd met my now wife um, and she's actually from there and we'd spent a lot of time over there. So just a lot of sort of memories from those times found their way into that, just a short little three track EP. Um, but, you know, it was, at that point, I'd been writing a lot of library music for a number of years. So it was really nice to sort of like just make music that I wanted to make, um, right. which, you know, still ended up on a few platforms just because it's piano and strings. You know, people always find a way to use that stuff. But yeah, um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed just sitting down and writing those albums, you know, for me. Right. Yeah, that's great. Outside of library stuff, I know you mentioned that you've done um some some actual film projects and you one being a feature film what have been some of those projects so so the the feature film that i worked on was a film called fight and it was for a canadian production company that was based up in saint catherine and yeah it was it, it was a super cool film I, I liked it a lot um super like sort of minimalist like sonic palette for a lot of the scores a lot of like very ambient reverby sounds you know some pianos a lot of string sounds some synths for some of the more like intense scenes um right and that was a super fun super fun project it was one of my first like long format feature projects that actually involved you know having to like sit down and like watch the thing and develop themes based on people and things like that. Um, I don't think that film is still yet available to watch online. Um, but yeah, it's just called fight F I G H T and then an exclamation point at the end. Um, the score for that's <laughs> I think on my website and my SoundCloud profile as well. And, and, and a lot of those cues um, 
I own, so they're on some platforms. Um, okay. But like I've done that, uh, a ton of projects for just, I, I worked on a lot of projects as a filmmaker where, that I also scored, which was kind of a unique situation, <laughs> a little bit more of a workload than just, yeah. you know, editing the thing or whatever. But like we had <laughs> right. a lot of stuff for some big national organizations like the March of Dimes, like American Childhood Cancer Organization. Mm. Um, those were some of the more memorable projects that I scored. Uh, a lot of the other ones were sort of more regional clients that nobody would probably know of unless they, you know, live up here. But right. Yeah. Those ones, those, uh, the March of Dimes and the ACCO were some of the, some of the more big, like fulfilling custom projects that I did. Right. Is there anything that, uh, you want to talk about that I have not yet covered? Yeah. Like I just, one of the things that I, I was always like intimidated by and scared of, you know, is like, I just, I, I never like truly thought and I, maybe I still don't just like that. I have, you know, what it takes to be a full-time working composer for a number of reasons. It's like, Oh, well I didn't go to, you know, Berkeley. I don't live in Nashville. I don't uh, record all my stuff with the huge live orchestras all the time. Um, but it's right. just like, like the, the landscape is just changing so much all the time in terms of what you can accomplish with a minimal amount of investment. If you just like, figure out what you want to do and then study those things and then try to make it happen. Um, yeah. I don't know. I just, just general advice. Like you just don't say that you can't do something just because of where you live or what gear you don't have or what schooling you don't have, because there are just the, the internet is a crazy thing. There's so many opportunities out there for people who, you know, truly have passion for it and willing to put in the work. I second that very much. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, for sure. Yeah. Look, I mean, you yeah. obviously have a podcast going, so yeah, I started a podcast, uh, in my bedroom. I still in my bedroom. That'll be different soon. Uh, and, uh, it was just, a, it's just something because I wanted to, to do something else. I wanted to, to, I graduated with a master's degree in music history. And as soon as a year later, after that, the world shut down and I was like, well, nobody wants to hire a music historian now. Uh, <laughs> so I needed yeah. to figure out a way to be able to do that. So I completely agree with your, your statement, because if you have the passion to do something, just go and do it. You can figure it, you can figure it out as you go. Uh, the, you can, there, there are so many things at your disposal, uh, even great free things. Uh, it's, it's incredible what's out there now. Oh yeah, absolutely. And yeah, you, you mentioned the world shutting down. I mean, this is, you talk about things that you can do remotely. Um, right. You can do a lot of things in music remotely. I like, you know, like at that time, beginning of 2020, I was still, my filmmaking thing was still my day job. And I, I saw my whole year's worth of, travel that I had planned out yeah. that I was going to go and do all these jobs all basically get canceled within, you know, right. a week of each other. And it's like, okay, all of a sudden, like this huge, like pillar of my career is just in like massive jeopardy. And yeah. it, it just happened to be like insane timing with having, having this other opportunity with film pack where it's like, Hey, they're actually more busy now because nobody can go out and shoot things. They need stock assets. Um, yeah. So yeah, no, just talk about a, uh, a, a, 
pandemic proof thing to try to get into it just in terms of creating music working with music um you know you right. don't have to physically be somewhere to do it so right it's yeah it's uh not a lot of things where you're like man i sure like the stability of working in the music <laughs> industry but I, I guess that can be a, a silver lining yeah yeah nowadays all you need, really need is a computer uh and just a lot of passion for it absolutely well where can people find you and your music um probably the right now the the best place to find like new stuff is just on film pack um be, because whenever i'm creating new music now that's the first place that it is it, it, a lot of times it's released for streaming later on um, but it's just www.filmpack.com um but then also uh, my own personal website, which is kevingrahamcomposer.com. I try to keep that updated pretty regularly with new releases. Um, you can hear my music on Spotify. You can hear it on Apple Music. You can hear it on SoundCloud. You can hear it um, on YouTube. It's Everybody's got their own sort of listening platform of choice, and I, I try to be on all of them. Yeah. <laughs> I recently switched back and forth from, from Spotify to Apple Music. So, I mean... It's always it's always great <laughs> to yeah uh, no it, to it, people are like very tribalistic there. about it it's like an iphone versus uh samsung like it's just like some people just don't want anything to do with spotify and some are the other way around just i yeah. don't know whether it's the ux or whatever they like but I'm not too yeah, picky about it i don't it. know <laughs> but all of those links can be found in the show notes that anybody wants to click on those and it's easier to click on those instead of trying to type it all in uh but thank you so much, Kevin, for your time today. I really appreciate you taking the time to tell your story and for sharing your all of your advice with us. Yeah, no, likewise. I really appreciate you reaching out and having me on. So looking forward to seeing more, more of your, your podcasts and your guests. And now, please enjoy the tracks Unbreakable, Fortress, For the Stars, and Dying of the Light from Kevin Graham's 2021 album, Dying of the Light.
This episode of The Composer Chronicles was edited by me, Stephen Trigar, with theme music written by Daryl Banner. You can find Kevin on social media and listen to more of his music via the links found in the show notes. Music used in this episode was graciously supplied by Kevin Graham, and if you were wanting to use any of the music heard or not heard on this episode for your projects, you can purchase copies of Kevin's music on FilmPack. If you've enjoyed this episode, leave a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, or wherever you can leave a rating and a review. Join our community of music lovers on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Cron Podcast. Here you can engage with our incredible community of music professionals and enthusiasts while staying up to date on news pertaining to our past guests. For more information about this podcast and to learn more about the composers, music professionals, and other featured guests on the show, visit alexandriamedia.org slash The Composer Chronicles. Next week, I'm on vacation, so there will be no official episode, but I am releasing a special bonus clip with updates for the podcast. I will see you on September 22nd with an interview with Richard Fay. Thank you for listening. I'll see you next time. Alexandrian Media, art and culture for the modern era.